One, two, three, wrestle down. Welcome to the Wrestle Down Labor Day Edition. I'm Jer Palapal. That makes me Dennis Bruno. How we doing, hey. Wrestle Faithful? Yes, how are we doing? How are you doing, Dennis? I'm doing pretty good. I am. I was on vacation this week. I got vacation coming up this week. I've been watching lots of anime, playing lots of games, watching lots of wrestling. Nice, nice, nice. I have also been watching lots of wrestling. I have been doing pretty well. It's been a pretty normal week for me. Uh, what wrestling did you watch? I watched um, highlights of Impact. So I got to watch Eric Young become their new world heavyweight champion. Nice. And um, highlights of WWE's main event. So mm-hmm. Ali and Ricochet are tearing it up there, which, like, this had happened a little bit last year when we were doing a lot of uh, wrestle downs where yeah, you were a 205 um, loyalist. And now it just seems like they're back on the rise because interesting things finally creatively st- seem to be happening with the WWE on like the lesser brands again. Nice, nice. Um, I watched uh, one of Io Shirai's retirement matches where she faced the entire uh, roster of stardom in a gauntlet match. I think you watched that before, right? I did. Cool. Um, I watched an old New Japan wrestling match that I pulled up with a uh, randomizer that told me just to watch. watch uh was uh, Shinjiro Otani versus Kendo Kassin, which I had not, I had not heard of either of them before, but it came up and I watched it because it was a quick uh, junior style fight and it was really good. Um, I listened to a podcast, um, an episode of How to Wrestling about Terry Funk. Uh, that guy has had an interesting life and they were raving about a match, um, a, a barbed wire death match that he had in Japan uh, that they were, they sold me on. So I watched that one. And, uh, of course, uh, AEW Dynamite and All Out, uh, which I watched live. Uh, did you watch any of All Out? I didn't. I know the results, but I didn't watch any of the matches as they happened. I heard excellent things. Mm-hmm. Um, the big cool. thing I heard was that the, the women's title match was the best match of the night, which is kind of becoming the standard in AEW because it seems like so much of the men's main events are either cinematic matches mm-hmm. or Moxley's continued average title run. Well... Is it really, um, when was the last time it really happened? Because I can't even remember what the women's title match was for the last pay-per-view. I feel like it was like Statlander versus uh, Nyla Rose, was it? No? Uh -uh. Um, No, it was Sheeta beating uh, Nyla Rose. That was the last title. Oh, right, yeah, okay, so that was a good one, but like, yeah. Yeah, Wasn't that the same pay-per-view as the, um, what was the, oh yeah, that was the the one with no audience or, yeah, double or nothing or whatever it was. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Cool. Exactly. Well, I guess. I mean, the, yeah, and, and all the point I'm trying to make is that, like, if you have to struggle to remember what the men have been doing lately, but you don't really have to with the women, that's been kind of one of the great accidents of AEW because we we've talked about it a lot. That like their booking isn't always solid or consistent, but mm-hmm. the matches are great. I don't actually remember what the women have been doing, so that's uh, you know for this match I do obviously, but like. And, like, beyond that, like, I genuinely, um, because then the ones that I remember are, like, the, I don't remember Double or Nothing all that much other than I enjoyed it a lot, uh, but I would have to look up the card. But I, um, I definitely remember the Bucks, uh, Page Omega match from the pay-per-view before that as being one of my favorites of the year. Yep. So, it's, uh, they definitely get different 
divisions of different spotlights, you know. So they're very good at that, at least. Yes. All right. So let's get this thing. Share my screen. Oh, I can do this. Yeah. I mean, more, yeah. more than anything else, it was kind of highlighting that I feel like Moxley's world title run has been surprisingly mediocre, considering how hot he was coming into the company and how good the feud was with Jericho leading up to his title win. Yeah. He, has, he hasn't really had a, a equally or more talented foil yet. Yeah. Um, he... Yeah, I think that the foiling is the problem. I think I guess I wanted to save Impact or All Out for the last because it's like the biggest show, the biggest, yeah. most notable show. So let's like save it for a little bit. Uh, yeah. You listed you, in our text chat. You listed Utah and ROH. Uh, he's I'm guessing he's Wheeler Utah. All right, good for him. Um, he's, he's on the fourth yeah. most important brand in the country. I mean, it, at this point in pandemic wrestling basically it's the wwe AEW, and pretty much everybody else mm. um impact benefited the most from all the downsizing the wwe did from their roster and roh continues to try to scrabble together everything that they can and create mm. yeah totally and wheeler Yude is a guy uh for people who aren't familiar with him he's kind of the mainstay of uh, northeast um independent wrestling he's done some stuff on the west coast and in europe but, but more than anything else he's a guy i got to meet last year you and i got to see him wrestle um in a dodgeball match Yes. And he was so charismatic in a match of 12 people where it was two teams, red and blue team. Uh, MJF didn't get picked, so (laughs) he took the ball and went home. Um, Thankfully, they had more balls as backup. And there was an officially licensed dodgeball referee to uh, referee the proceedings. But Yuta was so charismatic in that match, people kept yelling stupid sexy Yuta from the balcony to the point where he did a dive and just started doing like sexy dances to acknowledge it and got a stupid sexy Yuta chant. Yeah, yeah, he's a. Uh, I think the first time I saw him wrestle, and maybe you were there, it was Beyond Wrestling. Yep. And it was uh, against Flip Gordon. There's a guy yep. who I think is in ROH right now. Um, he is. To a guy I haven't thought about in a year or two, but, yep. you know, good for both of them uh, for, you know, climbing up into a major company. You know, I, I, yeah. I disparage ROH, but it's just, you know, kind of uh, ingest. I, you know, any yeah. success for any wrestler is good. Um, other than women signing to ROH, which I don't understand. Right. Because, yeah, there's, there's not a ton that they do with the women's mm-hmm. booking. But, I mean, yeah, we disparaged companies in jest, but, like, with ROH specifically, they're owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, which is mm-hmm. just not apologetically, you know, stuck up its own butt with propaganda. Not that most companies are clean-handed of that. Yeah. But with, U- with Yuda, I'm happy because... ROH is reviving the pure title. They're having a tournament, and that's his entryway into this. And basically, our conversation is that he's a really nice guy. He's worked really hard. He's had super entertaining steel drum videos on his Instagram, where he's just been playing, teaching himself how to play tropical music. Nice. Um, he solved a Rubik's cube in under two minutes, listening to the acoustic version of "I Walk Alone." <laughs> Gotta I make that dude. content. <laughs> yeah, he's even a chill dude. It's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. He's a chill dude. I like him a lot, and I wish him all the success in the world, man. Yeah, good yeah. news. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing I, I'll, I'll, I put on our list here, our combined list of things we watch. I watched uh, Io Shirai face the Stardom roster, which mm. hell yeah, man. So like in Japan, when someone retires or leaves a company, often they have a, a gothic match where they have like a bunch of one minute matches. Uh, mm-hmm. consecutively and Yoshirai did that with like 20 wrestlers in stardom and it's a nice way to like you know get a little bit of uh, interaction one last like little taste of interaction she's had a little feud she's had trying to get you know um, 
Yushu, uh, not Yushu, um, Mayu Iwatani and uh, Saki Kashima trying to kiss her for, you know, because she's Io Shirai. Uh, that probably hasn't aged particularly well, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's cute. Different in Japan. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely cute. It doesn't translate as well, but it's like cool to see her, uh, her different feuds and her interactions with different characters. Uh, yeah, so if you have, if you can find it, or if you, you're on uh, Stardom World, go right ahead and fucking watch that. It's on, uh, let me find the, I had it up here. Yeah. It is on the match from June of 2018, right before she left for WWE. I think she had one more Stardom match after this. Yeah. Oh, that's it's the boys. basically the height of her powers before she showed up in NXT, did uh, the Mae Young Classic, and now I would assume most people know her from that and now being the nxt women's champion yeah so you know throwback it's uh i had a big um list of uh just matches i wanted to watch on my backlog from like when shows weren't really happening all that much and the tabs were just open so i was like oh shit i should watch a a couple of these before uh at least before the stardom five-star grand prix like kicks in full gear again uh which it has and our next show will be very heavy on that stuff so all right Mm-hmm. Look forward to that, Joshi and Japanese wrestling fans. Exactly. Um, if I can spread a little bit of Joshi and the love, um, I've accomplished everything I want to with this podcast. Yeah, man. Get us for that avocado over the toast that is Millennial Media and Pro Wrestling. Yes. Sorry, I got distracted. My cat's looking at a drawer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the focus of Jerry Palapple, ladies and gentlemen. What's he going to find there? I don't know. <laughs> it's your drawer. It's not mine. It's Alyssa's. So sorry. Who knows what he oh, can? Yeah. I mean, maybe he's gonna open it. He can make do something cute. It's gonna be fun. I don't know. I don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss your baby's first steps. I don't want to miss my cat's opening of his first drawer. You're right. Um, You're right. No, that takes priority. Yeah, they're comparable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the other backlog match I watched was uh, Shinjiro Otani versus Kendo Kassin, uh which I found because there's a there's a generator for um what's it called um for random new japan pro wrestling matches on new japan world and i just clicked it a bunch of times and i didn't know these two guys uh but i want to see more of them because they put on a really good uh solid like 16 minute uh, junior title match uh from oh shit i should have saved the information i will look it up in a second but yeah um i love watching old matches from people that i don't know and discovering new guys Absolutely. I mean, every archive of every wrestling company gives you the opportunity of just to dig up any hidden gem you want. And especially because of so many stylistic differences from every generation of wrestling, let alone company and territory, you can stumble across, like, we had talked about this on a previous uh, episode that I'd watched Antonio Inoki versus the Great Muda. Yeah. So that's like classic heavyweight. So you're watching classic juniors. You can really just educate yourself in any way that you want to whatever way tickles your fancy on like oh this is how it used to be this is what was popular or just maybe broke some new ground then and compare it to now with people like um i i still like shorty g even though it should be chad gable yes uh el hijo del fantasma uh otherwise known as uh whatever the hell his name is now drick maverick i mean Mm -hmm. just being able to draw lines like that i love to be able to do yeah definitely uh i wish every um Every wrestling service should have a random match button, and like none of them do, and it's too bad because I think that would be like really cool to like just 
drop into whatever unless you're on the WWE thing and you wind up with like Benoit or something but like you know 90% of the time that's not what's going to happen you'll find something that's either benign or you know amazing so yeah, and and I mean if you can separate the art from the artist it's not a bad thing to watch a Chris no. Benoit True. Match. totally he's dead he's not harming anybody anymore uh not anymore <laughs> so um I didn't realize I put like well I guess two of the things you listened were like uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's tough to pull a collar in a tank top, but you're pulling it off, and <laughs> <laughs> I definitely respect that. That's why we made Zoom. Uh, yes, we made. We, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome, America and the world. Yeah, it was like January 2020, and I said, "Let's make Zoom," <laughs> and I put Zoom into Google, and it made it for me. So that's the origin story of Zoom. Uh, that's how that works. Uh, I only wish that I could forget it so you could tell me for the first time again. Well, uh, (laughs) I... (laughs) No! (laughs) It was January 2020. No, it was a monkey paw wish. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only thing I will tell you now. That's how monkey paws work. (laughs) Damn it. So, uh, let's see. So, I like... I I listened to um, a podcast called How to Wrestling. Uh, They had an episode of Terry... About Terry Funk and the premise of the podcast is that uh kevin man is a podcast host wrestling fan lifelong wrestling fan and his uh girlfriend joe oh, i think i messed up their names joe graham is his co-host and she's n- new to wrestling they've been doing the podcast for like three years now so like yep. she's less new but she's not as versed in the careers and lives of all these wrestlers especially yep. old ones yep. so they did an episode about terry funk they explained his life his uh, whole journey his insanely long his insane road to you know immortality essentially uh through like being an old school wrestler wrestling the likes of like rick flair in the 80s up through you know uh, i think his last match was in like 2017 or 2016 or like something like that like in just a six man randomly in some indie uh he's he's not really stuck with any company for a very long time but he's definitely an interesting guy to you know watch matches from read about Yep. Uh, do you, are you a Terry Funk fan? I am. Um, he was one of the big reasons why I emotionally invested in ECW because nice. he's the anchor of the heavyweight title scene when they were first getting the pay per view. Yep. Um, he. It was hard for me to keep up with him as a fan in '97 because I would have been 10 years old and <laughs> ECW at the time for me would have been on at three in the morning on Saturdays. So <laughs> if I was lucky enough that my older brother and I stayed up long enough and remembered to tune into the Spanish channel in Boston, Massachusetts, we could watch ECW. <laughs> yeah. So, very hard to find. He eventually showed up as Chainsaw Charlie, so I loved him there in the WWE, and then um, he buggered off to, like, ECW and WCW chasing paydays. Yep. Exactly to your point. He went where the money was. Yeah, he definitely was a guy who just didn't want to stick around for anywhere for too long. He went to... Uh, he's got one match on New... He wrestled in Japan a lot, but he's got one match on New Japan World. I think yep. he was more of an uh, all-Japan pro wrestling guy for when he was there uh but one exception he was in fmw for a bit and they had uh he faced their founder uh atsushi onita in an exploding barbed wire death match which you can find on youtube and it is something uh have you ever seen this match uh seems not up your alley 
No, I, I hate death matches, but um, I love the name FMW. I feel like it's a super cool acronym. And then yeah. when you learn that it means Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, mm-hmm. which means it's FMAW, but fuck it. Yes. Um, martial arts can be one word if you type it that way. With a hyphen, baby. Like, as <laughs> in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what'd you think of it? Mm. It was. So, like, the how-to uh, wrestling podcast I listened to, they, they were, like, over the hill for this match. They were like, it's our favorite match ever now, and I see why. It's very it's very dramatic. Um, it's absolutely – it is a tough watch because there's a lot of explosions and getting bloody and barbed wire and stuff. Uh, and a lot of the match is uh, Onita or Funk, like, grabbing each other by the hair and, like, uh, is he going to throw him into the barbed wire? And then – you know, it's like 20 minutes of that, but it's very dramatic, very good. The ending is very cool. Um, at some point, the explode, the ring is set to explode, and they have like a it's like a five minute timer uh, before it does. And Onita wins the match with a, a pinfall, uh, but they just keep beating the shit out of each other because they're so enraged, uh, even oh, after yeah. the match is over. And uh, the the timer is counting down. There's like an air raid siren. And the bells ring to signify the match is over. So there's an overload of sound. The audience is visibly getting nervous. Uh, Some people are leaving. Uh, And then just before the ring explodes, uh, Funk gets like, or or Nita knocks Funk down. Uh, But he realizes that the ring is about to explode. So he jumps onto Funk's body to save him from the explosion, like a fucking war movie. And And then they like walk out, like hold each other to like, get backstage uh it's fun it's a very like dramatic like beautifully done match that you wouldn't see like you wouldn't see that kind of uh emotional resonance in a lot of death matches uh nice like coda that they included on the youtube video uh they they were talking to each other backstage and funk's like onita's like holding his hand out to like shake his hand like hey that was a good match but funk's like no listen i appreciate that you saved my life but i will not be beaten by you Next time, we're doing a match with my rules. And then he just walks out. And I don't know if Onita understood it. Uh, he probably did. They were, yeah. like, close friends. But, like, uh, he definitely made it look like he didn't understand what was necessarily being said there. Other than love, they will have a fight later. I love the idea that Terry Funk could have said anything. He yeah. said exactly what you said. But, yeah. but in hindsight, he could have just read him at Denny's menu. And it was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he would have. They have Denny's in Japan. They're very good. <laughs> I want... To do this with moons over my hammies. (laughs) If I ever go, I mean, when I go back to Japan, when this is all over, I'm surely going to go to the Denny's again, uh, and I'll bring more of my loved ones there. (laughs) Bring Terry Funk. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, what was going on in WWE main event? Um, Before we do that, what I I wanted to mention, it's been mentioned before, and I didn't know this was true until like the last 15 episodes of Bachamania. Yeah. Um, Atsushi Oneida at one point in this era of wrestling became so popular and so full of himself he made his own company called Oneida Wrestling Oh yeah. where it was him he owned it, he booked it he basically hired all these mercenary wrestlers to fight with him and it's exactly what it would sound like if you had one talented guy and everybody else <laughs> um, so check out Bashabania for the highlights of that yeah definitely um, anything uh, that you can find the highlights of from that era, you know, the ending that survived is probably worth watching. Honestly, uh, that's been my oh, yeah. attitude. And in, in in that same vein, um, 
So while I don't like watching death matches, I like I like reading the descriptions of them, which may sound strange, but here's what I mean. So um, Mick Foley's first book, Have a Nice Day, which is an excellent read for anyone um, who's curious if it still holds up. I think it does. I read it probably 20 years ago, but when I uh, picked it up and read through it, actually 20 years? Yeah, that's about right. Um, he talks about his barbed wire match, uh, Terry Funk versus Mick Foley for IWA Japan. And it had it was an exploding um, barbed wire death match. So same thing you were describing earlier. There's a timer, crowd super into it, crowd super nervous. Him and Funk legitimately before the match talked to each other like, we don't know if we're going to explode, but one of us has to be near the explosion or else the conceit of the match is stupid. I remember Which, this part. That yeah. was their mentality. Not <laughs> we might get hurt. Yeah. One of us has to explode. Yeah. I mean, so, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, Foley describes it masterfully, but the conceit of it is basically as the timer gets closer and closer to zero, I forget who it is who's in the ropes. It's it's him or Funk. I think it's Foley because he was nuts in the glutton for punishment in those matches. And it all four corners just go. Oh, yeah. And it was just like puffs of smoke. The crowd starts turning on it. And the two of them basically like cover up each other and say like, well, we got to fucking hurt each other now. Yeah. And he goes on to describe in detail like how much they had to cut each other with barbed wire and like the amount of bloodletting that had to follow to like make people forget about the wet fart of the explosion. So yeah, definitely check out Have a Nice Day for that. Yeah, I think that was a match that if it was, I think they had a couple, but I think that was the match where Funk like, got on his knees and was like, no, just to show how disappointed he was and how bad the fucking pyrotechnics were, uh, which probably saved them from grievous injury. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the fact that, like, if you're an American wrestler, you don't speak Japanese, which Terry Funk certainly didn't. And yeah. the only way you can communicate is through physicality. He gets down on the knees to basically be the fans in that moment and be like, fuck, yeah. didn't <laughs> get what we were promised. <laughs> I'm one of you. He's an extension of the audience, just like we are for our audience. Which, like, how, mu how much fun would it have been if The Fiend did that after he <laughs> got, like, the referee stoppage at Hell in a Cell? He was just like, no, that was really dumb. <laughs> I should have fought back. <laughs> I should have had a different strategy compared to what happened. I should, I should have, have done there'd be a toolbox. <laughs> I should have remembered the referee can stop the match for any reason, technically. Oh my, yeah, and a hell and something. Now we all know. Now it's yeah. canon. Yeah, now we know that the referee isn't powerless. In fact, they're very powerful. Uh <laughs> if you ever doubt that, check out Quarantine Action Wrestling to see exactly how powerful a referee can be. Oh boy, I missed last night's pay per view, but I watched uh, some of the early parts. Uh, that sounds tantalizing. Uh, everyone loves sure a powerful is. referee. We'll get to more powerful referees a little later in the show, too. Um, so, what. Uh, what got you to watch two, uh, WWE main event, uh, the B-sides of WWE programming, basically? Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. Fuck um, yeah. Them alone. Because Mustafa Ali redebuted on Raw recently where he was on SmackDown. I think the rumor was it was either going to be him or Xavier Woods with a hacker. Mm. And then they were just like, hey, no, everyone, look, it's Mustafa Ali and he's on Raw. And I was like, cool. They're going to give him more airtime as opposed to whatever the fuck they're doing with Lashley MVP and Shelton. Now that like Lashley's U.S. champion, fine. Yeah. Um, the weird fight pit retribution, all the just strange summer ideas that they throw together at this time of year. Yeah. Um, I was like, you, you just have Mustafa Ali, <laughs> like, 
Before you add anything, he's an excellent fucking wrestler. But if you want to bring up his past as a fucking Chicago police officer, mm -hmm. as somebody who identifies as Arab American and Muslim American, they they never can because it's Vince McMahon. He's fucking racist. But like, yeah. there's already a ton of real life things they can pull in to make him a, a superhero, which he dresses as. But him and Ricochet both tweeted like, "Our match this week was fucking great. You guys should check it out." So I did. Yeah, and, he's. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say they it's the same thing as two of five live. They got ten minutes and then made every second of every ten every second of those ten minutes count. Oh definitely. Um yeah, that's a tantalizing match to like put on a fucking show that I think their time slot is what, like nine PM on Saturday on syndication, maybe? Um uh, or at least or maybe it's mainly on the network at this point. I have no idea. Um, I yeah, I think it's network exclusive. If I'm, I'm sure that they have some kind of like cable deals with local affiliates or whatever. But um, I, I don't think about main event. I don't really no. think about two five live because the, they, the rosters. Well, there's not really a main event roster, but like two five got pillaged so mm -hmm. that fucking Tony Nese could lose to people on Raw, I guess, <laughs> and, and everybody else wound up on different factions but they just they got the time they made the most of it and to give you an idea of just kind of where the wwe's at in terms of not thinking about main event they had humberto Guerrero, great great dude on mm -hmm. there fighting uh ninja man akira tozawa who yeah. is known as the guy who's swapping the 24 7 title and has ninjas now yes yeah um man for those who don't know main event is the show that they tape uh, before WWE Raw every week, it's like one to be like three, sh usually short-ish matches that fit into an hour plus like yep. uh, out an hour that is those matches plus like recaps of things that happened on wrestling. Uh, yep. It's not one that they think about. There's no storylines. It's just like one of those things that shows that you know if you just throw the talent out there, they'll they'll make the most of it, and yep. hopefully they'll get onto one of the main shows. But as of now, it's like just a bunch of exhibition matches, right. which you know they can definitely make the most of every now and then like maybe twice a year you'll hear about a match that's like wow this is must see and yeah. it's on this random ass show that dennis and i don't even know where it's broadcast exactly and we're fucking hardcore wrestling fans but yeah it's it's interesting that the wwe lifts so many ideas from other companies when they decide that they can do them better or that they just want to rip them off that main event and 205 live absolutely feel like the areas that they could just copy w, uh, AEW and say wins and losses matter. Here are their records. And yeah. at least make them a little different than just the shows that aren't Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I feel like for what WWE does, making the wins and losses matter would be like such a shift in their mentality because yeah. they don't plan things out well enough to do that. So like, and now in so many matches end with like no contests or disqualifications that would be like very weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's strange. Two of Five Live is similar to main event uh, in that nobody seems to care about it, but excellent matches happen. Uh, what were the highlights this week? Um, Santos Escobar showed back up with his uh, with his posse, and honestly, I'm I'm so out of touch with um, with the show itself that I may have just seen that in like a news feed, and that may have been just news from July. I <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure he was there. I'm just I'm really reconfirming with myself okay. uh, Arya Davari fought a dude uh, Mansoor fought a Carino yeah, yeah. And... I see Mansoor oh. so seldomly that I didn't even occur to me that he would be a 205 Live guy Yeah, like, yeah. I see him on like the Saudi Arabia shows and he wins like a battle royale once a year and it, I didn't even know that he was being used elsewhere 
uh, because I haven't watched 205 Live in so long. Yeah, and just in the same vein of like not really keeping up with that, or I know you don't always get the chance to watch NXT. Only mm -hmm. Larkin and Danny Birch were fighting Everrise, and they got uh, they ended up in a no contest because uh, Legato del Fantasma, his him and his faction, uh, showed up and beat them all up. Okay, well, yes. So yay Everrise, but like who's Everrise? Um, they're a tag team that they're trying to develop the WWE arc. Okay. Um, it is. Matt Martell and Chase Park. I don't even know their names. Like, I, I couldn't tell you anything about them aside from I've seen them on Ron's Smackdown once or twice. Uh, okay. But I, I want to mention Legato del Fantasma because it's, it's fucking... It's the hunter from Lucha Underground in the WWE who fucking rocked it in the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament and just harassed the shit out of Drake Maverick. And yeah. now he's doing nothing. Like, yeah. I just want people to look at him and just see the money that's there. Yeah, no, it's they don't know what to do with luchas. Uh, they're just hoping that one of them is Rey Mysterio, or maybe they'll make him Rey Mysterio when Rey Mysterio is not around anymore. It's insane. He's already there, and they're training his son in real time. You have <laughs> Rey Mysterio. Make you have mini Rey. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, it's I I. I have a hard time motivating myself to watch 205 Live. We've talked about this, but it's because, like, they don't have a paper, a, a normal structure for, like, what a big event would be. So it kind of feels like every storyline kind of just drifts and then kind of just disappears and starts and a new one starts with the same people because their uh, roster is so small. But mm -hmm. what's there, if you tune in every couple of weeks, fucking fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, any other WWE things you want to mention? No. Okay. Well, I do want to mention that uh, the rumor is that they're trying to get wrestlers to not make money off of, like, quote-unquote, third-party uh, things like Twitch and stream. So if any WWE wrestlers want to show up on the WrestleDown, uh, we will not pay you, and you can do it completely uh, without voiding your contract. So, you know, yeah. just uh, just a thought to throw out there. We're wishful thinking if anyone wants to not make money but still wants content in the world. Yeah, because the pro bono world of professional wrestling podcasts is so unsaturated. <laughs> I'm sure we'll just have uh, all of New Day, Legato del Fantasma knocking down our, our Zoom door. Yeah. Um, I think we have a password on the room. Thank God I put up that Zoom door for dramatic knockdowns specifically. <laughs> da -doom, da -doom, da -doom. That's why it says a knockdown in emergency or in enthusiasm. Uh, it's a long sign. <laughs> <laughs> the best stories are. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I watched this week, I squeezed in before, uh, just before this recording. It was DDT Boys from uh, August. I went back and uh, it was this show happened like in the middle of their King of DDT tournament, and just it just doesn't count towards that tournament. Just a random uh, thing. It's like a show. The boys shows are shows that they do sporadically uh they're tailored to female fans like only women can buy tickets to them um they're definitely catered to that uh, audience and let me tell you as a man it was a lot of fun <laughs> they like yeah um i know emily pratt did a big piece about them on up rocks um like a year ago and yeah they definitely lean on the comedy much more than uh they do in normal circumstances. Um, mm. Yeah. Look at this. Look at them, look at them hot boys that they're showcasing. Let me see if I can 
turn this Japan down. Japan knows what they want to do in terms of like showcasing man meat. They don't need fucking to trot out their out of touch owner Vince McMahon to say, "Look at all this beef." Just like, no, yeah, just they show the beef rather than tell yeah. the beef. Yeah, early in the ma- in the uh, show, they had a sort of fashion show where the theme was aprons. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is a delight. Um, a lot of comedy matches. There was a match where uh, one of their wrestlers trying to get Chris Brooks to uh, dance, and Chris Brooks did not want to dance, and he wound up winning the match by not dancing but by wrestling um, because the other wrestler practiced English to ask him to dance instead of practicing oh. pro wrestling, oh. <laughs> which big error. Uh, yeah, they had a match where a comedy wrestler was a, a very stringent referee. Uh, he Most of the match was them trying not to get disqualified for, say, climbing the top rope uh, or yelling at the referee, which mm. technically true to the rules of wrestling, uh, but does not make for uh, – those are rules that get bent frequently in, you know, in the name of entertainment – but not this referee. Uh, that ended in a no contest. Oh, and also a match where everyone was in three-piece suits, and the goal was to strip the uh, the other wrestlers uh, yep. to the nude. So fun. What a fun little show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not meant when, for me. You know what you, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, when, you, when you're the type of fan that tunes in for exactly what you think you're going to get in terms of... Like, it's what the late 90s WWE or WWF and WCW did in terms of just, like, exploiting visually everything that they were doing at the time. It, it's what this is, and but they're playing it for laughs and tongue-in-cheek, so I, it's it's fine. Yeah, definitely. It's fantastic. Um, I definitely enjoyed myself. Uh, I'll be watching more DDT later, uh, but not... There are limited numbers of boys shows. <laughs> but, yeah. They do a good job, and it's just like fun to watch because, like, a North America, I mean, ugh, a North American company would never uh, even think to do this. Uh, I mean, AEW is probably our most progressive uh, big company, and their idea is to charge everyone fifty dollars for a Zoom password. Uh, so far, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um... I had given some thought earlier, like you had mentioned, you're mentioning right now AEW's kind of carny tactics in terms of trying to build people for money and now the WWE doing mm-hmm. the same thing with um, wanting to shut down cameos and Twitch and whatever else. Yeah. Like, that's, it, it's US capitalism and it's predatory and I hate it. And yeah. I understand that that's part of what the WWE has just always done. And mm-hmm. they're at a point where they need to, they feel the need to build a global monopoly and regulate content that everything that gets produced in the world of professional wrestling has to have their stamp on it literally if you buy their t-shirts or the merchandise but why twitch and like they don't know what to do with it is the problem yeah if they had an idea that was already spinning like i i'm still i'm still always going to be bitter about z true long island story because 12 years ago zach Ryder made the best version of wrestlers making content on YouTube at a time when no one was doing that. Yeah. And from that came Santino's Casa and Crime Time Show and What's Cracking with Scotty Goldman and then they fired Copabana. They right. don't know what they want even after they buy what they say they want. They'll do shitty things like tout where they're just like, no, we don't need YouTube. We'll make tout, <laughs> which was terrible. And yeah. a huge fucking credit to Renee Young, who's now not with the WWE. Because when Talking Smack got canceled and her and Daniel Bryan wanted to make a joke about it coming back, they did it on tout and it looked awful. Yeah. (laughs) 
and they had Chad Gable on, and he was just like, yeah, it's weird that Kurt Angle's not my dad. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, um, I don't know, I feel like they want to keep everybody on, like, controlled, but I think their upper management's so out of touch with the rock. Like, the, the management is only getting older, and the talent's only getting younger. I feel like we're kind of in a collision course where that's going to end badly at some yeah. point. But AW got a good joke at their expense by uh, having Kip Sabian plug his Twitch and have a little thing that said this uh, this ad is uh, approved by AW or something like that on the screen during All yeah. Out. Yeah. Because the thing is, people, in the, the idea of a democracy, which is the America, it's the idea of a democracy, you shouldn't be afraid to say what's on your mind. You shouldn't be afraid to make content and put it out there, whether it's, you know, constructive or destructive. And it's just WWE wanting to control things. There's no yeah. nugget of profit or gold mine that they are suddenly going to start mining if they take over up, up, down, down, or Lana's fucking TikTok where she just makes sexy dance videos. Like, <laughs> they just want to censor things, which yeah, I we've talk, talked about it before. Just like, I can't watch Ride Along. Oh, yeah. Because every every episode's the same. Eventually, one of the pairings makes like pee and poopoo jokes, and it's like I'm 33, and yeah. there's like those jokes are funny some of the time, but not every fucking episode. I'm not to, an idiot. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a lot of the roster is less than 33, um, <laughs> so who knows if that's them or that's just you know what the what gets edited into the episode. Um, yeah. How was Impact? Impact is was and is very good um they're doing they're doing what ecw did at its best which was they're absolutely they're maximizing the best things that they do well they're leveraging all the talent that they have rather than talking about the people they don't have which i feel like the wwe does constantly with names like brock lesnar yeah and they they don't do that they just focus on like they had sammy callahan versus rob van dam in 2020 which without seeing it how how mobile do you think our bd was oh not very no I just watched oh, okay. an RVD match last week when I watched Impact. It was yeah. it was fine, right. um, but it wasn't like you know. You get this sense that this guy is about ten years past his prime. Yeah, but he's a name, and thankfully, because of his name and his reputation, uh, um, he's not really bogged down by being part of cancel culture for, with Joey Ryan because that's the past now. Like yep. Joey Ryan doesn't get mentioned, which is smart. Yeah, but. He still kept Katie Forbes, and she's at ringside trying to help him cheat to win. Sammy Callahan's a weird tweener now, instead mm. of just, like, viciously assaulting people. Right. They had, a, a, they had a fine match. It's fun, and it was different than a lot of things I've seen. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Rosemary fought Taya Valkyrie in a wrestle house, which I haven't seen, but just the description and all the graphics of it look amazing. Yeah, I got to catch uh, up on that. I, forgot, I got weirdly invested in wrestle house last week, as you remember. Uh. Yeah. So, like... That's the type of thing, especially we're six months into the pandemic with sadly no end in sight. So these are the type of concept matches that every company who can produce it should be making so that they can also make the Firefly Funhouse. They can also make Boneyard matches because what's stopping you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in favor of more experimentation while we're waiting for things to come back to normal. Because then like when things are normal, maybe you'll keep doing those things or tweak them and you know find something really fun to do with them. If the WWE is going to continue to operate as it does, which is its mandate to create like 10 new original hours of live content every week, why the fuck wouldn't you fill that with original things like filmed vignettes outside that 
they're long and cinematic and matches. Like, just do it. You have the resources. Do it. Yeah, they're it's cheap. weird. That's why. Yeah, they're cheap and they're they're an, an old giant ship that's hard to steer. Like yeah. when you once you try to make a turn or whatever. So it's, it's up to the little companies like Impact or AW to well, like AW's not moderate size, I would say. Um, right. In comparison, to like yeah. really do something weird and yeah. fun like that. Yeah. Triple H doesn't drive himself. He always rides shotgun and does one of these. <laughs> they have to make three turns uh, to do. They have to make three left turns to make a right. It's really. It's, it's why. It's why NXT uh, is kind of in a weird holding pattern lately. Because they keep turning in circles. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just go back to go back to Champa and Gargano again. They're go- uh, going to. Oh my god. Oh, I know. They might be. They might be teaming up again, and it's just so... It's slapdash at this point. Fucking Keith Lee, their champion, is now on Raw. Yep. Um, Karrion Cross was their champion, but got hurt. And yep. now it's either going to be um, Balor or Adam Cole. Cole, who's just the champion, and Balor, who... They backed off him being a fucking badass heel, so I don't yeah. know what the fuck they're going to do. I hope Balor um, wins that, to be honest. I just hope he goes back to being a shit heel. Like, yeah. that was interesting. Him being in between and shooting is bad. Yeah. It was weird because, like... Talk. They had four dudes in that main event, and they were, like, all on some level heels, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, Lee got called up. I Who knows how much power Triple H or anyone else has to say no when Vince McMahon is just like, no, that guy right now. Yeah. And in interviews, he said, like, he doesn't say no, so. Yeah. Which funny if that was the first. Yeah. I, and for Lee, it's great, because we talked about it before, just, like, we root against call-ups because we think creatively they're not going to use the people well, but we're happy for the performers because they're making more money. Yeah. So good on Keith Lee. But back to Impact. Um, the Rascals fought Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, and I really think that Ace Austin's going to fuck around and be their breakout. And his like minimum ceiling is another Matt Taven, which isn't bad. No. Yeah. Much as we, you know, we'll just Matt Taven at drop of a hat. But oh yeah. Fuck um, Matt but you know he's. But if he was a different guy. Uh, that's a good ceiling to have. Right. What was that? Keaton just... Keaton's been knocking things over. He's... He doesn't like Matt Taven either. Cats yeah. hate Matt Taven. <laughs> it's it's true. Um, he might also just be getting impatient because he sat through uh, All Out with me, and we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> uh, we're almost there, Keaton. Yeah, buddy. Um, oh. All right, what do you want? Yeah, there Whatever. Were, yeah, there were a smattering of other things, but the main thing is uh, Eric Young... Uh, WWE cast off mm. uh, made a huge splash last month or recently where he showed back up, um, beat the shit out of Rich Swan so Rich Swan couldn't be in a title match, which had been vacated because it's a Blanchard. Mm. Built a program with Eddie Edwards, who has uh, got braids in his hair because, oh my, I, I don't know what to say about Eddie Edwards. Like, I don't have the hate frame I have for Matt Taven, but I, he's one of those dudes where, like, if I was wearing a Boston patch, I'd cover it when he comes yeah. up. <laughs> So you're cutting out a little bit. Young is the world-class maniacs champ. Yeah. Uh, sorry, your audio cut out a little bit there. It's probably my internet connection being a little shitty sometimes. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Eddie Edwards is like, is he's very much like a vanilla ice cream with a lot of toppings on it. And not all the toppings are thought out or put no. together well. It's just like, yeah. it's really just vanilla ice cream that's been rolled around the road for a little while. And it's like, that's what you get. Some yeah. of it's fucking, some of it's chocolate, some of it's gravel. I don't know. You yeah. fucking put it in your mouth and see how it tastes. Probably still tastes kind of okay. Uh, just hurts a little bit. 
Yeah, it, it does hurt <laughs> a little bit to watch him wrestle because, yeah. like, I I haven't consistently kept up with Impact. I won't profess yeah. to, but I know that he had had a long drawn out feud with both Tommy Dreamer and Sammy Callahan. Yeah, it's like Eddie Edwards is not a fucking hardcore wrestler. My, the Eddie Edwards in my head, who was at the peak of his fucking powers, was one half of the American Wolves, eventually ROH World Champion, and was a fucking world beater. Diehard Eddie Edwards is who I remember, and he's old. Yeah. Er. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to watch him wrestle in fucking t-shirts and whack people with kendo sticks and have fucking, like, tiki torch things hammered into his head or, like, whatever they're called. Yeah. Spears, like. Right. I want to watch Eddie Edwards tear it up um, yeah. as best he can. Like, Taiji Ishimori's older, but he tears it up. Yeah, uh, I watched. I was watching Impact regularly during that Sammy Callahan, Eddie Edwards feud. It was very weird. It was like a very, uh, you know, uh, Sammy's pushed Eddie too far. Now Eddie's gone kind of crazy and hardcore kind of thing. You don't fully buy it with him. No. Uh, it certainly, Not a good actor. yeah, it just kind of it was man, like it, it was weird. And now we, I, you know, tune in maybe a year or two after the fact, and he's got cornrows and he's still like hardcore whatever i yeah. respect that his character went from a to b uh but i don't think that the actor can pull off the b so well no. um no um and the in fairfox stand back because within the void that tessa blanchard left of the guys who competed in the multi-man match to, to become champion he made the most sense that was the logical play and they made it and i they really do they need something humongously revolutionary aside from just signing the Good Brothers and EC3 again to really make them stand out. And starting by putting the championship on Eric Young, who is not only like a legacy talent from their TNA days, but also somebody who has a very unique voice, literally, yep. and cut very good main event promos and is intentional with his moveset. He's older and he's not super exciting, but all of his moves have a purpose. Yeah. Um, and it also gives uh, the opportunity for Rich Swan to show back up and be an avenging hero, which I love Rich Swan, but it's it's a logical storyline. Yeah, definitely. Um, and logical storytelling is something that they kind of really excel at. They do a good job of just being a solid show. Uh, I definitely have been impressed with Eric Young. Um, I mean, I, I wish his WWE main roster run went better, yeah. uh, but in Impact, he's he definitely feels like a big deal. Uh, his promos are amazing. Uh, yeah, he's he's very deserving of being in the top spot for now. Yeah. After the match, um, they cut backstage. Moose is basically getting stalked by EC3. Um, yep. Moose had basically pulled the TNA world title out of a toilet somewhere and has been calling himself TNA world champion. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. That seemed like it was going to build to him versus Tessa, but they went away from that because EC3's back. And EC3 basically put like a bunch of stalker-ish photos in a locker, freaked Moose out. You ripped all those down. Underneath was a whiteboard that said, you've been warned. EC3 Ooh. does fucking promos on levels, and I love it. Yes, he's amazing. I can't wait for that feud to continue on. Um, yeah. yeah, I got to catch up on Impact. I mean, you you didn't have to sell me, but you did. You're yeah. doing a good job. I, I want to sell fans because, like, we've talked about it offline. of just, like, the WWE doesn't have to be what you watch because it just makes a lot of content. You can seek out things that aren't hard to find. Like, you just watch Twitch, and you yeah. can watch shit tons of free DNA. And all you gotta do is tune in at the right time and you can catch um, Impact. Impact, yeah. It, yep. It's not hard. Definitely, yeah. Everything's very available uh, because of the internet. Uh, if you have the internet, which, I mean, hopefully you do, some depending on part of the country, you don't. But, you know, if you do, if you got it, you can definitely find it with a quick Google search uh, and probably less than a 
less than 10 bucks a month for something to just binge watch something for a month. Now, yeah. if you right. don't have the internet, <laughs> you have found us. Wow, do we appreciate your support? Because that means that you downloaded this from a friend. And thank you. Listen, Dennis, we talked about this. Um, every week I say, download 30 copies of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> put them on DVRs. Did you buy the DVR writer that I asked? Uh, of course not, whatever. Um, what? And then, <laughs> and then put your <laughs> write random addresses on a bunch of envelopes, put the DVDs in the envelopes, and then you send them out across the country. I mean, listen... It was, do we lose money on the stamps? Probably, yeah, but eventually we're going to get a sponsorship uh, that makes sense for us. Probably, now that I've moved from Alston, the guy with the cookies in the bags, uh, it's too far a drive with the pandemic, and honestly, he probably shouldn't be running his shop anymore. Wow. Um, he, he shouldn't be running his uh, cookie shop on the corner uh, where he just bags things and then says they're cookies. Uh, I'm but, glad he moved on from the chips because the chips had glass in them. Uh, uh, intrepid listeners will remember and yeah uh, I'll get right on mailing those DVRs that I didn't buy thank you that all holds up it's a hell. sometimes when you when you're piloting uh, or excuse me when you're the captain of a submarine you shoot the torpedoes inwards <laughs> how else are you gonna know that they work you just gotta know yeah, if you shoot the torpedoes away from the submarine, you got to find them away from you. <laughs> Do you think torpedoes are boomerangs? No, but that's what I mean. Why though. do you have to find them? To find out what they did. <laughs> oh, God. if America ever goes to war, I... Uh, and this is true. Um, I got a letter in the mail from the uh, Navy Federal Credit Union saying, congratulations, Soldier Dennis, on your checking account. Because oh. my identity got stolen. Oh, shit. So, when did that happen? Um, of the This week. Hmm. So of the two of us, um, I could do this because now I have a, a credit account with the Navy, which is not real. They opened a fraud investigation. Okay. But yeah, somehow that uh, we got there, man. Yo, that's fucked up that somebody would like... First off, doing fraud, first off, but, like, also do it with the Navy, with, like, the U.S. government. Uh, that's, like, <laughs> that's, like, putting the stolen jewels in the jail. Um, Correct. It's very weird. I called the, I called their number with the letter and the access number for everything, and they just, there was five minutes of silence after they pulled up the information. I think I heard, oh, no, before, <laughs> like, there was just nothing. And it was just like, yeah, no, you're not in the Navy. I was like, I know I'm not in the Navy. <laughs> Oh, really? I, there were some times when I wasn't, you know, there were several, you know, a random Tuesday here or there where I didn't hear from you at all. I assumed you were off in naval training. That's the first thing I, I assume when I don't hear some, from someone for a day or two. I thought you were, I, oh God, in my head, I thought you were going to say like, oh yeah, all those train rides you were taking to and from work when you just thought you were going to the Navy and then coming back from the Navy. <laughs> I work near the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that was like Arrested Development. I'm going to Navy, or I'm going to Army. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> oh, man, that's so weird. Yeah, Alyssa had a fraud thing, like, earlier this week, and I, my yeah. Nintendo account got hacked, which is a lot smaller scale. Yeah, um, from Bolivia, right? Yeah, it was like I got an email like, hey, someone logged into your Nintendo account from Bolivia, and I was like, well, I haven't been to Bolivia 
ever. Uh, I should probably change my password. And right. I should probably change my password and check my ranking on Splatoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In Bolivia <laughs> and the U.S. Yeah. I don't want them to be mad. <laughs> They hijacked it to be the top in Bolivia. <laughs> they really brought it down. I'm pretty okay at Splatoon. <laughs> the fucking brain trust that was just like, guys, this guy is pretty okay. We gotta got our hands on this account. We can either be amazing or lower. The possibilities are endless. Uh, it's the it's the true definition of freedom in Bolivia. I hope whoever led the charge in that got slapped and is still being slapped. Yeah, I <laughs> hope just so. hasn't stopped. <laughs> I hope so, too. I would hate to think that Justin was playing Smash Brothers with someone who thought it was me and then, you know, thought that I was terrible. Um, right. I've, I've, I've earned some respect. Uh, <laughs> You're pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what else has earned some respect? AEW. Uh, you You didn't, you just watched, like, highlights or saw the results of All Out, right? I did. Yeah, because we're we're recording this pretty close to um, the pay per view, oh, so it hasn't had you haven't had a lot of time to catch up on it. I watched it nope. live. Uh, man, what a weird experience that was. Um, because I, like I said, watched it live. Uh, I was not looking forward to the Matt Hardy Sammy Gravara match. Uh, I had to pick up my girlfriend from a a friend's place, so I left, and she happened to call during that match. So I. Uh, left during the match and thinking like oh this will you know it'll probably be still be going after i get back yeah. i'm only gonna be gone like five ten minutes uh then i turned out that it went very short and it was the thing that the entire pay-per-view uh hinged on which i did not expect uh, at least emotionally uh for those who don't know it was a basically a last man standing match with a lot of hardcore spots planned out presumably but one went wrong very early on yeah. And Matt Hardy seemed to be knocked out. Yeah. And then uh, a confusing series of events happened that ended with the match uh, ending and starting and then ending again. Did you did you catch up on this at all? All I know is that um, Matt Hardy got knocked out at one point. Rebby Hardy got mad because that's Rebby Hardy's job. Is she yeah. gets mad whenever something happens. Yeah. And in this in this case, rightfully so, because her husband yeah. got hurt. Right. But no, I didn't hear the details. Okay. So here's I'll summarize it. Uh, they had a spot where they were like basically on a cherry picker and Sammy was going to spear Matt Hardy from the cherry picker, like a 10 foot drop onto some tables. Yep. It kind of overshot the tables so that Matt Hardy's like shoulders and the back of his head just went straight out to some concrete. Mm. Yeah. And he was, he was out. Yeah. He was out cold. The referee was like, <clears throat> Aubrey Edwards was like there, like checking on him. It seemed like she wasn't sure what to do in the moment. Uh, until Sammy came over like a minute and a half later. It was like, hey, start counting 10 count to end the match. Yeah. And then as she got to like six or whatever, uh, Matt Hardy got up but couldn't walk. Yeah. Uh, he just fell down. And then at some point, Sammy was like holding, physically holding him up. And it's like fighting a blow up doll, which we've seen yeah. uh, in wrestling. And then he kind of fell down. Uh, they, The referees came over and separated the two of them. A doctor came over, talked to Matt Hardy. They, did like the big exit shows like a, a real injuries happened yeah. stop the match match stopped uh they cut to jr and the announce booth and jr did this uh thing that's like listen that you know the competitors didn't expect the match to end that way but you know we got to watch out for their safety first and then they cut yeah. to matt hardy uh and sam Carr still fighting 
Um, and then they climbed up over a scaffolding thing. Um, Matt tossed Sammy off of it. Really, he just he hung on and Sammy fell uh, through a crash pad. And, that, and they counted the 10. And that was the planned finish of the mashup, presumably. And uh, yeah, it was a mess. Uh, definitely shouldn't have continued from a, a you know a welfare standpoint yeah. and from a mood standpoint you could feel the whole event like just crater from there mm. just tonally uh supposedly also it was like uh well not supposedly but like i looked it up for sure it was like 82 degrees and like 80 percent humidity in oh. so, an outdoor arena so yeah. supposedly that's also a reason why the audience was way less uh energetic going into the second half um but other than that major major downer good pay-per-view yeah, <laughs> yeah they deliver yeah, go ahead i was gonna say we, we've talked about it a bunch of just like AEW delivers in the big big main event or the big pay-per-views they basically have four ten poles at the moment which is right. wise as a business model and mm-hmm. they it, it feels like it's on purpose for a lot of different reasons business and creative and mm-hmm. It makes sense to have logical endings to storylines, and they pay them off here. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, so we let's see. The baby actually started with a an unusual way with a um, tooth and nail match between Britt Baker and Big Swole. They've been, yep. It was weird because they'd been building this feud between these two wrestlers for I think it was like two months. Yeah, and they almost put it on the pre-show, and I can kind of see why because it was just like a brawl in a dentist office. Yep. They had a lot of fun with it, and it ended with um, uh, Baker getting some uh, knockout gas uh, until she couldn't answer the sub- – they treated it like a submission, and that's how she lost the match because nice. she was put to sleep with some gas. <laughs> in, a, in a wrestling capacity, that's probably the nicest way you can get put to sleep. For sure, yeah. Just held on on a dentist chair and then put to sleep. Uh, at one point, she also tried to attacking uh, Big Swole with a drill, not a dentist drill, a power tool drill that she had in her office. Like a fucking cartoon character. It was a delightful little, like, probably 10-minute match. I didn't check the time, but about that much. Yep. An unusual way to start pay-per-view with had a live audience. But it worked. I liked it. Uh, the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express had a Young Bucks match. You know how it is. You know if you like it or not. I liked it. Lots of spots. Yeah, lots of yeah, lots of fl- anything. Not really. Yeah, not a bunch of just a bunch of flippy things. Uh, the Bucks won it. That's fine. Um, yeah, they had a battle royale. Matt Seidel came back. Nice. Uh, yeah, he had or not came back. He debuted for AEW actually. Right. Um, he had first bad omen of the night happened when he came in to like you know he was going to make a big splash with his famous shooting star press and he slipped on the ropes and fell. Uh, didn't hurt himself, but you know, it's one of those, it's very Shockmaster. Yeah. Uh, to make a WCW reference. Uh, it was a very terrible, <laughs> terrible way to debut. Yeah. Yeah. But most importantly, can you go ahead and tell me with those sweet candy words of yours who the men's battle royal winner was? Oh, uh, it was um, the Murderhawk. Murderhawk monster. Yeah, monster. I couldn't, I was like, was, I knew there was an M word. My head was like, the murder hawk murderer. The marmalade monster. <laughs> yeah, that is Paddington. Uh, we'll yep. get to him later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the same pay-per-view. <laughs> well, you got to pay for Paddington. Um, he doesn't work 
cheap, uh, despite the kindness of his heart. Uh, He's union. <laughs> it's mostly the Brown family pushing him to not push himself to too many places um, to be a nice bear. Uh, but no, the Murderhawk monster, uh, Lance Archer, is now the number one contender for the AEW title. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Dennis is very happy for it. I was happy for it. Um, honestly, it's more or less the most logical thing they could do with, in hindsight. I mean, I will say that that kind of uh, spoiled the main event for me because the main event was John Moxley versus MJF for the yeah. title. And I was like, they're not going to do MJF versus the uh, Lance Archer. That's mm-hmm. two separate, incompatible flavors of heel fighting each other. Yeah. Like one of them would very much have to turn face. I agree. I think that um, the logic where you're coming from it, it's all, is very sound. AEW hasn't done quick transitional title changes, so it, yeah. it would be hard to believe that they put it on MGF just to put it on somebody else. But, right. Um, I mean, we'll get to the main event last. I, yeah. I love Lance Archer winning. Yes, me too. And I think he, he definitely was trying to get immortalized in a GIF or screenshot. Uh, throughout the match because there were several moments where like someone would do a big spot and then they, they'd have like a triumphant pose or whatever and Lance Archer would be in the back like <laughs> <laughs> like looking threatening and then probably eliminating them right afterwards um, yeah he eliminated Kenny, uh, Eddie Kingston with help from Jake Roberts uh, putting Eddie's foot in a bag that presumably had a snake in it but you don't know they didn't show the snake so you just gotta trust history <laughs> <laughs> he put his foot in a pocket dimension. <laughs> he put him in the phantom zone. And he was like, like I, I'm not a space criminal. Stop it. Because they got Brandon Cutler, who's a dungeon master. There's oh, yeah. no reason why they couldn't have just had like a bag of holding backstage that accidentally got sn- stolen by Jake Roberts. <laughs> he just, there's just eight bags backstage and Jake Roberts picked the wrong one. <laughs> Happens <laughs> all the time. Sorry, Eddie Kingston. Now <laughs> Now you're in Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a fun match with like 21 people in it. That you know, Sean Spears hasn't figured out who he is, but that's fine. That's that's you know, he like came out and did the like I don't have to come into the ring immediately kind of spot, and then that really led nowhere. Uh, much is his mo. Isn't that when Matt Seidel came out too? Like he yeah, to, uh, like Spears's role basically was to play the shocked. Like I can't believe it's you role. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And then that, um, they had to improvise away from that. I'm sure Zidell hopefully will... He said he might stop using the Shooting Star Press based on that. Yeah. Like it's a sign from God or something like that. So, you know. I'm I'm curious what they choose to do with this character. Because I know an Impact in smaller promotions, not the WWE. Um, I've heard him on another just tangential recommendation. Seek out Art of Wrestling with him and Cole Cabana. He talks yeah. about his like vision journeys on Ayahuasca. Yeah. And a lot of his intro of the clip I saw was him opening up his third eye. So I, I wonder if he's going to be like their trippy version of Ryan Kendrick or like their Paul London from Lucha Underground. Yeah, it's uh, it's unclear if he's even going to stick around or if it was a one-time thing. I don't know. He only had like, in t- like 2019, he only had like less than a double-digit number of matches. Like only yeah. a very small handful. So I don't know if they sign him for anything longer or whatever, but if he's around, I'm, I'm happy to see it. And he, I'm happy if he gets rid of the Shooting Star Press because he went from, like, when he debuted, like, way back in, you know, when he was Evan Bourne in WWE. Yep. Like, that was a move that, like, three people in the world did. And now it's, like, a thing everyone does as a transitional move from a standing position. So, 
yeah, new moveset. You know, yep. a new, uh, new lease on life, new career. Yeah. Um, let's see, Matt Hardy's Sammy Guevara happened, but then big, then Sheeta, uh, Karshita, and um, Thunder Rosa had the women's title match, which was fucking excellent. I wish the crowd was louder. I get it if it was super hot, though. Yeah. Um, that's the thing with uh, just any match, or like WrestleMania from last year that yeah. we were at live. Like, we were there for fucking eight hours. If yeah. You have a show with fucking physical action happening and it's not different enough or if it's just time gone by with people who don't have enough water yeah yeah if you're Every, go ahead go ahead everything i've heard about this match was that it was match of the night yes i agree and it definitely was they were they left it all out there uh for the first time in a long time if she'd had someone like at her level that she could spar with and stylistically uh complimentary um yeah i mean the between like following up the matt hardy thing and probably being three hours deep into a humid, humid outdoor setting, yeah. I could, while wearing masks, uh, I would imagine that would be tough for the audience. You could even tell the wrestlers on the side were not as energetic as they normally would be. They were a little bit more like polite and reserved, uh, which I understand, but it's definitely worth it. Um, yeah, that followed up with the fucking an eight-man tag with the Dark Order versus... Uh, Cody brother or Cody family B sides, um, QT Marshall, uh, Dustin Rhodes, and Matt Cardona, and I don't even remember who the fourth person on their team was. Yeah, Let's look it up. But there's a lot of almost castaways, and yeah, <clears throat> I think that um, like I mentioned earlier, Impact kind of won out the most, or at least hired the most people who mm -hmm. the WWE released. AEW's gotten you know a handful there here and there, but they've been very selective. Yeah. I don't know what Mark, Matt Cardona adds that is very different from Zack Ryder yet. Right. Um, it feels very much like he got, he was a friend of Cody hire. And I, I, I was singing the praises of Z Long Island story earlier. Yeah. And I know he's got a lot to give. He's in great shape. I yeah. just, it, it's not a platform for him to stand out if he's one of eight guys in a match. Yes. And he's, um, he's, he's better on his own than as like a character in the ring. Yeah. I would say. And, and as I'm saying that, that proves how good Dustin Rhodes is because he stood out as one guy in an eight-man match mm -hmm. by winning, but also by making the most of the moment. Yes, definitely. The fourth guy was Scorpio Sky, which I can't believe I forgot. He, um, yeah, he's yeah. definitely going to be challenging Brody Lee for the TNT title at some point, and that's going to be amazing. Really look yeah. forward to that one. Dustin Rhodes is the master of pathos. Um, yeah. Him and Cody are the best emotional 80s wrestling style storytellers. Mm -hmm. um, Kenny Omega is the master of the arts. Um, yep. They they have such really specifically detailed matches that you, even if you're a jaded cynical wrestling fan, you've seen it all, which I am. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes makes you stop and pay attention, and I can't wait to see him brutally. Yeah, definitely. That's happening on Wednesday, and I can't wait. Oh, and... um. Can't remember if this happened before or after. Nope, it was probably after. Kip Sabian's having a bachelor party and a wedding on Dynamite. Eventually. I don't know what the situation is, what the schedule is for that. But hey, wrestling weddings, nothing ever goes wrong. Hell yeah. <laughs> Whatever helps make him and Penelope Ford more different, good. Yeah. Keep doing it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then they followed that up with the tag match, uh, the tag title match. Uh, FTR versus Omega and Paige were... Seems that finally Paige and Omega have had it with each other, or Omega's had it with Paige, um, which is not the way that you would have expected this feud to go. 
well yeah. over this, this partnership to go. I, I think that the elite specifically have been very surprising in a good way with their individual storytelling. Um, yeah. I like the Omega. I like that Omega and Bucks are the first ones to go bad out of everyone. Yeah, the Bucks are naturally heels anyway. They're um, definitely much Omega, better. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Omega is surprising as the guy to turn. It felt. It, it always felt like Paige was going to be the logical guy. Well, yeah, dating back to Revolution in February, where it looked like he was going to turn on Omega after um, their tag match against the Bucks. Yeah. But I think that the emotional manipulation card is still, it, it seemed like it was so obvious that it was going to be Tully Blanchard potentially remaking the Horseman with FTR. I thought it was Cody, but it may be Omega now, which is more interesting. Yeah. And a fourth guy, hopefully not Spears, but maybe Spears. Yeah, it's it's interesting where they could go. They go anywhere. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish that the match was a little better. But, uh, you know, you got to factor in the humidity or whatever. Um, just like it felt sluggish and slow where I really wish that they had a better match uh, to, yeah. you know, showcase whatever that they had, especially FDR as the new champions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to put this out into the Internet ether yeah. and it's probably not going to be a... Uh, if we were if we were seen by the masses, this wouldn't be a popular opinion of like internet wrestling fans. The F- right. FTR has lost a step since the height of their NXT powers. They tried really fucking hard on Raw and SmackDown to do the best of what they had done in NXT. Yeah, um, paced differently. But even in AEW, I can tell that they are very specific and intentional with what they do, but it doesn't connect with the crowd. And it's the pandemic era of wrestling. So right. I I think a lot of their humongous strength in NXT specifically was competing in front of hot crowds. And right. I mean, you could say that for all of the acts that were wrestling with them at that time, but they didn't really get that support in WWE's main roster and AEW can't put fans in the audience safely yet. So I think instinctively, whether or not it's fully realized, they're excellent live crowd main event tag team wrestlers, but they don't have that atmosphere. Yeah, I think they're they're really good at stuff that makes me go they're I would compare them to Shayna Baszler in the sense that I want to love them but mostly they make me go ah yes that is a smart move for a pro wrestler yep. to make yes. uh, that is that is a very they're Radiohead for me um, I don't emotionally connect but intellectually I'm like that. this lights up a part of my brain that probably reads books yes um, I think what they would say, because I've heard them on Talk is Jericho and mm. different podcasts, is that they specifically will emotionally light up a wrestling fan who just appreciates the technical aspect and like the 80s heel wrestling aesthetic where they, they cut the ring in half and they control their opponents and they uh, isolate a limb and so on. Right. If that doesn't do it for you, they they have no characters. That's it. it like, Cash Wheeler doesn't mean anything. Like, the, the names are homages to old... Like they're wrestlers, wrestlers, wrestlers. Yes. Their their names are harkening back to demolition, in classic tag team wrestling, and the tactics and the move sets that made those matches popular without showing any of the work. Right. Tell me all you want about how you're good at wrestling. Fucking show me. That's yeah. what made the tag team match in February so good. Like mm. we heard years of hype about how good it would be if the elite fought each other, and then Omega Page fought the Bucks, and they proved it. Yep. FTR's got to prove it. Yeah, they gave, I think they gave them comparable time, expecting them to, to have an, a comparable level match, but it didn't 
quite feel the, that same way, probably because the audience of yeah. uh, being tired at this point, like well past tired, um, and just not quite establishing FTR very well just yet. But I maybe they'll, you know, as the tag team champions, they'll have a lot of opportunities to figure out what works for them in this context. So absolutely. Uh, yeah, I tried to do a, an image search for FTR and got a bunch of motorcycles. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to my contextual ads for the next few weeks. I mean, the, and that's that's another thing that just kind of lumps into it. Like, they don't have characters. They, they yeah. trademarked FTR as a wink to wrestling, internet wrestling fans, which, again, it's the 80-20 rule like it is in business. Like, internet wrestling fans are 20% of like the main wrestling population i assume even though they don't make up 80 percent of the profit like because that's the business rule 80 percent of fucking wrestling fans will go to sonic and arby's and like eat shit food and buy fucking cricket wireless phones but they also don't give a shit what ftr means unless you tell them and yeah. show them yeah there isn't really a defined uh there's not really much definition there to what they are exactly no. Um, so we will, other than we are a tag team, tagging up. Said, yeah, if you've been watching Being the Elite, they said fuck the revival for a year and then didn't. Yep. Uh, second to last match they did, which I think was the second best match of the night. Uh, yep. It was the Mimosa Mayhem match between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, where the you could win by pinfall, submission, or submersion in a pool of mimosas, which was a very orange mimosa uh, situation. I don't know if that's really it. I haven't drunk alcohol in a long time, so maybe that yeah. is just what they look like now. Um, I've also never seen a pool of mimosas. Maybe when you put them in that much volume, they yeah. just look super neon orange. In 2020, when so many wrestling tropes have been done, Chris Jericho continues to be involved with things that are brand new yep. and highly entertaining and building the next generation of talent. Holy mm -hmm. shit, is this, is this guy gonna leapfrog Ric Flair if he doesn't slow down. Yeah, it's, uh, he did a great job making uh, uh, Orange Cassidy a, a solid main event talent. His, his character has gone on a logical journey that like sets him, it makes him go from like a novelty to like more of a person, yeah. uh, which he very much needed in order to fit in into any context that's not just novelty matches. Yeah. Uh, who I'm interested to see what he does next. If he goes back to being like a lazy kind of wrestler or if he stays fired up and ambitious or whatever, he could go either way and I would believe it. Yeah, I, I, I love that he has that opportunity. I think a lot of it depends on what company he keeps and what company they choose to make, make him keep. I yeah. love Chuck Taylor and I love Trent, but Trent always feels like the Kenny Omega that doesn't have the drive. Mm. He's excellent technically, but he doesn't really have a lot of depth aside from his mom drove him to the ring one time, which is cute. Yeah. But it doesn't make me think he's going to win matches. Chuck Taylor doesn't care about winning matches. Chuck Taylor will just be an entertaining wrestler in the way that he chooses, and that's great. Yeah, totally. If, if Orange Cassie isn't with them, absolutely could stay in the main event. He could easily pair up with Brian Cage. Like, surprising things that he would fight from underneath because he's an underdog at heart. Yep. Yeah, you throw him with Rich, anybody who's more conventional, even as like a tag team, whatever. Yeah. Or just like friends who compete in singles matches, uh, like kind of the way uh, Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela are. Right. Uh, they're like an odd couple that are sometimes a tag team, oftentimes doing singles matches. Uh, it works. It would be a very fun dynamic. You can do anything with him. And that's because they did an awesome job with this Chris Jericho feud, which ended with Chris Jericho 
probably winning in a way, given the humidity. Uh, he got to sit in a pool for a couple minutes. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a sticky pool, though. That is orange juice and champagne in 82-degree weather. Oh, He was warming up for it for weeks with that orange jacket he was wearing. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if, if the wetness helped, good on him. But, yeah, um, yeah I just... I love that he didn't need to win. Like yeah. if this was the WWE, there there could have been every possibility that the established guy beat the younger guy for reasons and then both lose. Like Shane McMahon beat the Miz for four months for no reason. Right. And now neither one of them mean anything. Like yeah. this is the total opposite in the best way. Excuse um, me. Shane McMahon runs his own promotion within the promotion. So <laughs> You're excused. <laughs> um but yeah, Orange Cassidy, like he has so much upside. I, I respect the fuck out of Taz in the vein of Orange. Because yeah. he plays it so straight in kayfabe that if you do have Orange Cassidy fight Ricky Starks and eventually try to get to Brian Cage, imagine Orange Cassidy is the FTW champion. Yep. Like, you subvert the thing, but also make it more interesting and different? Hell yeah. Yeah, I can imagine him like eventually being the one to uh, take the title off Brody Lee if Scorpio's guy doesn't do it. You know, he, Hell yeah. I can. The sky's the limit for him. Yep. Uh, as long as he feels like reaching up and then not putting his hands in his pocket immediately. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, in contrast, the main event was John Moxley versus MJF, which I thought was perfectly fine. But MJF is one of those guys who needs a kind of a glow up character wise. Yeah, he MJF is uh, magic on the microphone. He talks mm -hmm. for too long. He says too much. Um, but he you find diamonds in what he says. Yeah. He's very much like Nyla Rose in that he's young in his career. He's very confident on the mic. Right. You can tell he believes in himself and you understand where, to, where his character's coming from, but there's still something, like there hasn't been a signature win. Like he beat Cody and right. that was his so far. And he fucked around with Diamond Dallas Page and he has the expensive ring. But nothing's really stuck to make him think that's a world champion. Yeah. Um, he needs a heavy like Wardlow, and from what I understand, him and Wardlow are gonna now mess around with each other. But um, this is what I said earlier: like Moxley's middle of the road world title run continues. He doesn't have strong foils. Yeah, I think that's the thing. He's um, like, I think this match or this feud really highlighted his limitations because he's you're right, amazing on the mic, but then you kind of get to the root of it, and he's kind of a generic heel. Yeah, and like you'll cut these amazing promos and he'll like promise violence, but I don't see him as a violent person. No. So like he'll, he can maybe get Moxley bloody on the AEW dynamite before this event. Sure. Uh, but then they get into the ring and most of his move set is like distracting the ref and punching him in the balls or very good, uh, um, like technical wrestling, yep. which doesn't quite fit the character. I kind of wish that he had like, a Shawn Michaels versus Mankind moment where he just got violent and matched Moxley and came up short. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to give an edge to his character that isn't just yelling angrily. And, uh, and taking shortcuts. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he'll get there, I think. But yeah. I think he just needs that. He needs something to spark him in just a little, a little more intensity. He's so young is the thing. And yeah. I think, especially as wrestling fans in the last five to 10 to 20 years, even, like we've seen Randy Orton ascend really quickly. We've seen mm -hmm. Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. There have been so many prodigious wrestlers who, like, crazy early in their careers, even, um, what's his face, Austin Theory, who's now back on NXT, like, mm -hmm. 
there's a there's some people who just experience a lot of success early and they grow into it as they get it and there are some people who just need a little more time and mjf has a ton of upside like a lot of AEW's roster does uh a common criticism i hear about them is they're just they're the not ready for primetime players mm-hmm. and the, it it peaks and dallies basically like darby allen's a guy you could make into your jeff hardy they don't always use him as that right um and also potentially it's problematic from speaking out yep. I, i'm i'm determined but they have a lot of different things that they could use to leverage the talent in ways that would make them super marketable in ways that have been proven effective before Mm. um they're just they're not there yet they're still experimenting yeah and they're still like they're a young company full of young guys so like in two years who knows what it's going to look like but like they could be doing the best shows in the world at that point uh, once everyone's used to being on tv my one request is keep Tony Khan the fuck off TV. I don't need figureheads. I don't <laughs> yep. want to have a power struggle about bureaucracy. I don't care. It, it seems never important. Yep, it never is. It doesn't work. It, I've seen Cody say as much that they'll never do that. They'll never have a, you know, they're not, uh, they don't need to show you that there's someone in charge. You just right. got to trust them that there is and that they're being like, this guy's going to fight this guy. This lady's going to fight this lady. This team's going to fight this guy. And that's the show. Yeah, have fun. The closest thing I ever want to see is what they already have, which is yep. Brody Lee leads the Dark Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taz is the mouthpiece for FTW. Um, Jericho leads the inner circle, but doesn't really lead it because thankfully they're an autonomous unit. And that also means that Jake Hager, uh, I don't have to think about any more than I have to. <laughs> yes, he got bright spot. He got eliminated by Sonny Kiss. So that's hey. uh, beautiful. And the Battle Royale. So that was a bright spot that I uh, forgot to mention. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd mentioned in, in the lead up to All Out is I, I haven't watched all of the dynamites that have led to the pay-per-view, but Fairfax to Moxley, who I think also understood going into this match that it didn't have all the heat on it that he may have liked. Mm. Um, the dynamite, the, the closing sequence of it is him with uh, MJF on top of him, bare knuckle, getting punched in an open cut. Yep. And the camera zooms into it and he's just saying like elevated off the mat to MJF go fucking nuts and he just yeah. gets like legitimately fucking punched in the head a bunch so he bleeds more right yeah he knows uh, he, I, I wish that he was able to goad him into a little bit more but yeah he was pushing he was pushing yeah. to make that uh, transition happen uh, but yeah. overall good match good pay-per-view not their best but yeah. you know I, I thought it was worthwhile I mean, we're we're still in a pandemic, and I mean, not everything's going to be uh, the last pay per view where we get a stadium stampede. So that's right. fine. Yeah. Because um, it could have also been payback, which we're not talking about. <laughs> I did, I didn't watch highlights of it. I saw the results, and I'm good. Yeah. It, we you covered it in ten seconds, and we just spent how long talking about all out? That's the difference. Yeah, I, I don't have any. Uh, I, I'm interested in some of the things that WWE is doing, but uh, we'll see. I'll, we'll cover them when they get when they get to the point where I'm, I must watch, which isn't yeah. there yet. If Keith Lee ends up on like main event or 205 Live, because why the fuck wouldn't they do that? Um, then I'm I have no one really left on the main roster because like I'm still pissed about Riddle. Yep. Um, they're hiding Velveteen Dream in a box somewhere so that they can open it up when they think people forget. Yep. And they don't know what the fuck they're doing with, with the NXT title, so I, I'm kind of checked out. Yeah, same. Um, but hey, there's plenty to check into. Uh, is there anything else you want to add to this episode? Uh, yeah, OSW Review continues to put out great content, so if anyone hasn't checked out uh, the three lads from Ireland who 
love classic wrestling, the uh, the new era generation, um, go ahead and watch their reviews. Um, independent uh, wrestling TV, I think it is. Um, Beyond Wrestling's been putting out um, a lot of their specials live in Atlantic City, which yep. is where Wheeler Yuta usually calls home, along with Chris Dickinson, the Dirty Daddy. Um, yep. um, tons of great things in the local scene to check out. Yes, definitely. And uh, yeah, next week. Uh, I'm guessing that we're going to be talking a lot about Stardom because they're uh, they just did two shows that are jam packed with action, and I'm just waiting for them to upload them so I can watch them. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening up to the Wrestle Down. I'm Jer Palapal. That's uh, Twitter.com Swing Dangling. That makes me Dennis Bruno at dbruno42 on Instagram at Sensei Denny B on Twitter and the voice of Quarantine Action Wrestling on Twitch.tv forward slash Quarantine Action Wrestling. Yeah, and you can find uh, all our stuff at, uh, or you can find the Wrestle Down and more shows at villains.wtf. Uh, thanks for listening up to the Wrestle Down. Bye bye. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah, 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 yeah.